Blog Talk Radio. It cannot be emphasized strongly enough the beauty, purity, and perfection of who you really are. You are not your illness, your finances, or your loneliness. There's nothing wrong in your life that you don't have the power to correct, and you are unlimited in your ability to tap into that power. Welcome. I'm Janet Richmond, and this is the Higher Self Voice. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome, welcome. I'm excited about today. been looking forward to the show. Um, just wanted to let you know, if you don't know already, it is now, I'm now able to go two hours. So depending on what happens, who knows how long I will actually go, but at least that time is open for me. I'm encouraging people to call in. I will do a healing, call in with an issue or problem, a pattern, a situation, a condition, whatever it is in your life. It can be virtually anything that you'd like to have a healing on, and I will do a short healing for whoever calls in. Now, the number is 646-668-8565. Okay, that's 646-668-8565. And if you can't call in because you can't listen to the live shows, you know, it is 10 o'clock Pacific time on the West Coast. That means it's 1 o'clock Eastern time. It's the workday, guys. And I know it's the workday, but generally speaking, I've found that my archive shows are much more listened to no matter what time I put my radio show on. Because people are busy, even even if they're not working in the moment, there's a lot going on in our lives, and listening live can be hard. So if you have an issue, you can't call in when it's live for whatever the reason, please send me an email. Now, my email is very easy. It's just Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at JanetRichmond.com. My website is JanetRichmond.com, and there is tons of information and tons of free stuff on the website for anybody and everybody that cares to find out more about what I do, cares to listen to archive radio shows. I have some teleclasses on there three one-hour teleclasses that you can learn the technique very easily. I have the amalgamation statement. It's all under the button that says free downloads, and you can get something to print out to use for your own use on how to do a simple way to do an amalgamation. You don't have to do it the way I do because I kind of do an extended amalgamation when I do it on the radio or when I do it for a client. Because I'm sort of teaching as I go and also allowing some time for the people who are new to experience the energies and to tune in and to focus. But those of you who are working on your own or want to work on your own, you don't have to do that big, long, extended amalgamation. It's very simple. And it's all there on my website for all of you. Okay. Now. Again, let me just give the number one more time, 646-668-8565. Now, this healing on the individual, I think I started to say, will not only work for that individual, it will work for every single listener because we all have lived so many hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of lives that we've all experienced just about everything, okay? So we all carry some common elements 
Now we all have our own completely unique mixture of belief systems, of emotional responses, of how we manifest all these things. We have this unique mixture, but a lot of the elements are really, really similar. So when I do a healing on one person, it is absolutely, I don't have time on the radio to go into any depth to the point where there's something that person has that no one else has. It just doesn't happen. You can get a healing from every single other person's healing just by going along with the healing as if it's for you and releasing the same elements, whether it's shame or despair or fear or anger or rage or, or misery or false beliefs of some kind, self-doubts, whatever it is, we all carry elements of everything. And if there should be, and I doubt there would be, but if there should be something that I'm working on or I'm asking the individual I'm working on to release and you don't carry it, guess what? No biggie, okay? You're just not going to have it to release. You won't have it to neutralize. So no harm, no foul. But even if there is one thing, 99% of everything else that I'm pulling up for that individual is going to be helpful to each listener. And it's, it's just really empowering. It's really helpful. And maybe you're going to realize that you can write in or call in and ask for your own issue to, be, to have a healing. So that would be great. I welcome anybody and everybody to call in. Okay. Now, there are no callers now, so of course I came with some prepared with some things to talk about, and I will do a healing at some point, a general healing for everyone if I don't have any callers. Now, but today I want to talk about something that um, related to something that happened to me within this last couple of weeks. I was uh, visiting with um, a friend, and it's a new friend, and she was appreciative of whatever it was, I don't remember, but she very sweetly and very nicely handed me a book. It was a metaphysical book, and she said, you know, I understand that you just have to have this book on your bedside table at night when you sleep, and it's going to bring up your frequency level, and it's going to heal you. Well, I thought a lot about that, and I just wanted to to share with you because there is this kind of information out there. She had been told that when she received the book and she'd had it on her bedside table. So she gave something to me from her heart. It was very touching. I was very um, appreciative of the gift, but it brought to mind the idea for me of the magic bullet kind of thinking or the magical thinking or however you want to term it, that sometimes we have about this kind of work, this kind of energetic work. And the, the, the idea is that if we just put that book beside our bed, our lives are going to be healed. If we just drink a certain type of water, we're going to heal ourselves. If we just listen to a tape at night or something, maybe we're going to heal ourselves. It doesn't mean that it could have no effect, but it's really important that the process be practiced, that we're not just passive about what we do. And let me give you some sort of silly examples because I'm not trying to 
discount or uh, denigrate in any way the heartfelt gift, the heartfelt belief that this book being beside my bed was going to heal me, it was going to raise my frequency. And so I thought about it and I, I came up with a couple of silly, maybe silly examples, but I think it will make the impact. And that is, now, if you wanted to get into physical shape, and you've all heard me talk about the gym analogy, do you think sleeping with a dumbbell, a small one-pound dumbbell beside your bed every night would help you get into physical shape? Probably not. It might give you the reminder every day, oh, I got to go to the gym. It might help motivate you, but you actually have to go do the process of working out in some way, whether it's the gym or a sport or something, to get in shape. It's the same thing if you want to become a good tennis player or a piano player or a painter. You might get some help if you went to bed with a tennis ball or a piano or a paintbrush beside your bed. But again, it probably would have more of an effect of motivating you or reminding you, hey, I got, you know, I want to practice my painting and all that kind of thing. Or I want to, I need to go out and hit some tennis balls or I need to practice the scales on the piano. It probably won't make you a good tennis player, a good piano player or a good painter. So it's the same with this kind of energetic work that it, you, we actually have to practice and quote the craft. And the craft that I speak of, and there are many different modalities, there are many different techniques. I talk about the neutralizing, the utilizing, the, the divine light to both neutralize and empower. That is what I share. And so that's the craft that I recommend that you practice. It's the same thing. That, that, that it's, it's more than just being passive. It's not that the passive thing may not have some effect, but I wonder if it will be more like a few drops in, in the ocean rather than actually making a big difference in your life. So, um, and I don't think that this would make any difference whether it's my technique and my tools that you use or somebody else's. I, I do feel very strongly that we have to be active about it. We have to make that self-commitment to ourselves and actually work at it and why would the energetic work why would the healing be any different and yet there is often this sort of fast food lane for change thing because we're we're in the society guys where we're all used to that instantaneous gratif instant gratification we're all used to you know texting and getting a response back in 30 seconds you know it's no longer writing a snail mail letter and waiting for a week or two to hear back we're very much getting used to this instant you know cause an instant effect action instant reaction so i understand why this magical thinking or that fast food lane for change is out there but i'm just recommending that you guys think about it that you think about the fact that no matter what you do in life, whether you want to become a scholar or uh, a runner, you know, a long-distance runner, there is an element of actually doing it, practicing it, being actively part an active participant in whatever you're trying to accomplish. So there's no difference with this. Now, there are some differences, though. 
which I want to point out. One, unlike whatever craft you might want to become really good at, some of them and many of them are, have an element where you need to be born with a certain gift or a certain talent or a certain proclivity even. If you want to become a scholar, for example, you might need to be born with some inherent good brains. If you want to become an expert or a professional in some sport, most likely if you're born kind of klutzy and uncoordinated or tripping all over yourself, you may not, that may not be an area that would be that easy for you to become good and good at. Um, of course, stranger things have happened and we all know and have heard stories of people beyond all odds have accomplished things in their lives that are amazing. So I'm just kind of making a generality, but there are a lot of elements like becoming a portrait artist. You might ha need to have been born with some talent for painting or at least some uh, proclivity, some exposure, something that would bring out what you have. So that's, th that is uh, much, mu that's the idea of what I'm trying to say. Most crafts that we do require, some of them anyway, elements that you need to come to it with, whether it's a gift or a talent or a proclivity or a genetic predisposition. But with my craft, with my technique that I share, this neutralizing and empowering, using that pure soul essence, divine light, there is no, nothing that you need to be born with that's special. You don't need to have any kind of gift or talent. You and everyone can do this. The only requirement is one, that you become aware that you even have that divine light, that pure soul essence, and two, that you're motivated to use it. And you have, you know, the very simple understanding of the technique. This brings me to the second difference. Okay, in the first case of becoming a piano player or a painter or a professional tennis player, those kind of crafts require years of instruction, often much money, and years and years of time to develop the skills to become the, to bring yourself to the excellence of, you know, a professional. Now, with this craft of neutralizing and empowering with that pure soul essence, it really only takes a few hours of instruction and practice. So you can be a master at it, and you can be fully enabled to change your life. It is so basic and inherent right that we all have. We have the inherent tools. We have everything we need just by listening to the radio or just by being in existence, just by living. We have everything we need, and it only takes maybe a few hours. Some people could do it within an hour. It is very simple and very basic, and it is very much unlike the rest of the crafts because it has this ease of becoming excellent at it. Okay? All right. Now, the other difference, or a, another difference, is unlike 
say, going to the gym to get fit, if we, were, if we go to the gym for six months or a year and we're really fit and we're all toned and our body is just exactly where we want it, if we stop going to the gym, the body eventually starts to revert back to the muscles get flaccid, we gain weight, we get lazy, we, you know, we just revert more and more back to where we started in the first place. Now, of course, there would be some muscle memory, but still, if we decided after a couple of years to go back to the gym, there would be a huge effort to bring ourselves back to where we were. With this technique, every time we neutralize, it is permanent. You can't get that, those energy identities, whether it's thought forms, habit imprints, emotional responses, whatever it is, you can't get those back. Once they're neutralized and absorbed into your light, they're gone and it's permanent. There is no reverting back. Now, there are times where even after we've worked hard, some problem, some issue, some condition or situation or person that is difficult, painful or whatever comes back into our lives. But it may seem like we're taking a step back, but in fact, we're not. It's really important to understand that it, all that we've neutralized, even if we stop for six months or a year, those are still gone. But now that those are gone, we bring up other things to, that need neutralizing. And how do we bring our focus of attention that we need to keep going? We bring in the problems and the difficulties. Okay? It's, the, it's the soul's way to get our attention. It's the soul's way to, to kind of shake us and say, okay, thanks for what you've already done, but there's more here, guys. We need to keep going. We need to keep working because we have eons of lifetimes, eons of belief systems, of pains, of suffering, of difficulties, of misunderstandings, misinterpretations, doubts, self-identities, limited truths, false beliefs. We just have so much in there that it's great. We get off lots of layers because we work for six months or a year. Then we stop. We don't get those back, but there's more to do. So it's what happens when there's more because we still carry these negative energy identities is they draw into our outer reality, into we manifest into our lives a problem. Some problem, some issue, some pattern, some pain, some upset, some trauma, some drama. And again, it's our soul's way of shaking us and saying, hey, keep going. <laughs> There's more to do here. Okay? So you can get right back on the apple cart and just continue the journey to neutralize. And you will move through whatever that pain issue problem was. Now... With determination and commitment to ourselves, we can turn our lives around in six months to a year. And I really mean turn our lives around. If, and if, that may seem like a long time, oh, six months to, to a year. But, you know, if you want to become a really good tennis player, you want to become a ballerina, you want to become a pianist, you want to become a, a painter, whatever it is, it's, isn't it more like a decade or two? to hone that craft? Yeah. And haven't we been miserable for, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? Whatever it is, 
we've already spent a lot of time unhappy with what's gone on in our lives. So what is six months to a year? It's really a very small amount of time. And keeping in mind that we don't have to wait till we get to six months to see any change. Just like with every other craft, if you're working on becoming a portrait artist, you're seeing improvement all every week, every month. You're seeing the change. You're seeing your craft develop. You're seeing yourself getting better and better. Well, it's the same with the energy work. You see yourself improve time after time, week after week, time after time of doing the neutralizing. And, I mean, it is fabulous. So, but when you get to the six months or to the year, depending on how often, because we all have busy lives, we all have tons of stuff pulling on our time. When you get to six months to a year and you look back, it's just like, oh, my God, look at this. Look how different I, I'm, you know, you might go to a, an event where it, if it had happened before you started this work, you would have been so terrified. I'm just making up an example. So terrified that you, you barely stayed for 10 minutes or 20 minutes because you just were so uncomfortable and felt so awkward with shyness or whatever it is. And now, six months later, you go to an event and you actually start talking to people and you start to enjoy yourself. And you think about it later that evening, you go, oh my gosh, look at the difference. Because when I started, when I first heard about this material, I learned from, uh, I've mentioned her many times, Joan Culpepper. She brought in this higher self material many, many years ago, this, this technique. And she learned it right along with us, okay? This was new information. We didn't, she didn't know it from anywhere else, but the higher self took over her Wednesday group in essence and started teaching us over the series of the next four years. And every week they would talk about many, many things. I mean, it's a huge body of work. The, <clears throat> this technique that I teach is really one small tip of the iceberg, but it is such an inherently important and significant part. This is what I lead with. But in any case, when I very first started, I was so afraid of the world. And I've mentioned this before, but I had just tremendous fear all the time. Uh, I just was afraid of my own shadow. I was afraid to go into a store by myself. I was afraid to do just about everything. And I was shy and um, crippled, had crippled shyness. And when I started the work, the only thing I wanted to do or accomplish was to not live with fear all day long every day and lo and behold what happened well i worked on the fear and then one day i woke up happy now did i ever even think about working on happiness no i never thought about it it never occurred to me in a million years that that was something i could strive for and when I woke up happy, it was such a shock, such a surprise, so amazing to me. This is when I began to really realize how this work can change my life. And I have been doing it a long time. And I've had numerous 180s 
they just keep happening and it just goes to deeper and deeper levels. So I've made this work a lifestyle for myself and I'm encouraging you all to do it because just like you'd like to keep your body in shape, you want to make a lifestyle of working out in some way or keeping in shape. But eat, but but it doesn't take the long time that I took. As I said, I've done many 180s. Right now, the energy on the planet is so high that it is really moving so fast, it's much easier to get more layers at a time and go deeper. Plus, when I started, as I said, nobody had any experience with this. It was brand new information. Well, I've spent a lot of years doing it and have learned so much as I go, which I'm able to share with you guys. So, and I'm still learning. It's still unfolding. It's still exciting. It's still mind-boggling to me. And the, the, ish, the thing is that you will look back in six months to a year and go, my gosh, what a 180 I've done. But because there's been this amazing progress, you, like for me, you'll be motivated to keep going. You'll start to realize that your ideas, like I never occurred to me, never occurred to me that happiness was even in my grasp, that I could possibly ever be happy. And when I woke up that morning and felt happiness, it was huge. And it taught me not to put limits on what I can do, what I can accomplish. And I began to really use this work to approach a much more unlimited um, way of utilizing it. And you will too. You will too. Now, So that's what I just wanted to tell you, that just to recap, that magical thinking, the magic bullet kind of approach where you just have to do something once and it should be all healed is, is really inaccurate. It doesn't mean that it hasn't absolutely healed and neutralized and gotten rid of those energetic layers that you did do in that one healing but again, we have a lot to do. And like any other craft, we need to be active. We need to be committed. You can't become a pianist by practicing once a month. You can't become a, a tennis player without endless hours of practicing your serve, you know, putting your serve over the net. The good news about this work is that you don't need endless hours every day to really change your life. It only takes a few minutes a day. Uh, if you have more time, make it 10 minutes. If you have even more time, make it a half hour. But it, it's the consistency. It's absolutely the consistency that makes the difference because that's the self-commitment and that is yourself committing to help yourself. It's very empowering. It's just really terrific. So again, it's not about endless hours. It's not like any other craft, where you have to, um, as I said, spend five, you know, becoming a gymnast. You're in the gym eight, ten hours a day. It's not, it doesn't require that much, but it does require consistency. Um, many years ago, I'm going to tell you one other story. The, the, the running book 
some running book came out. Very, very popular at the time. I think it was in the late 70s or early 80s, something like that. And many, many, many of my friends decided to take up running. It was such a hit, this book, and it was kind of eye-opener that you need to keep in shape. Well, all my friends, and I was dancing at the time. I was taking ballet classes, um, <laughs> excuse me, uh, a lot. And so I didn't take up running right away. But they, um, they all had rules for themselves. Well, I have to run this speed for this amount of time. I have to run at least 45 minutes a day in order to get the benefit. And what I observed over the next few months, because a lot of my friends, we were all, a lot of us were friends with each other, and so there was a group. A lot of them um, would not run one day if they didn't have the 45 minutes. Well, I'm not going to get benefit. I only have a half hour. I'm not going to get the benefit, so I'm just not going to go. Or some wouldn't feel that well. You know, they'd be a little tired, and they think, oh, I could never run that speed, so I'm not going to go today. And what happened was that the rules around the running, whatever the rules were, and I, I can't remember it all perfectly now, but within six months, every single one of my friends, they just slowly but surely, all the rules were rules that gave them excuses not to not to do it. It either was too cold or they were too tired or they didn't have enough time. And slowly but surely, their motivation and their excitement about it ended up dissipating because they start they stopped doing it on a regular basis. So a few years after that, I took up running. I stopped dancing and I moved out to LA and I took up running and I remembered that. So I decided I wasn't going to make any rules for myself. So if all I could do, all the time I had, all the energy I had was just to run one time around the block. That's what I did. So what happened was for me, if I, if I some days felt really good and really strong, I'd run a couple miles. Some days I felt really pathetic and was barely able to walk. I would just go out and walk around the block. And then, of course, many days it was sort of in the middle. And once in a while I'd actually run three miles or whatever. But here's what happened. Taking away the rules and the rigidity of the requirement meant I did it for 25 years. I was consistent. I absolutely kept at it because there were no reasons not to. There was no excuses. If I could just run down the block and back, it would be it would be um it would be something. Something is better than nothing. And because I came to it with that freedom, luckily I had gone through that other experience with my friends. If I, if I came to it with a kind of this openness and this freedom without any rules, and that's what I'm trying to give you guys here, the consistency is what matters, not the rules, not you have to do this, this, or this. But as you do it, because I was consistent, I saw the changes. I saw myself get in shape. I saw myself stay in shape. I had two children. Now, I took months off for pregnancy and small infants. Each time, but it had been such a consistent habit, such a consistent lifestyle that I went back to it and continued. So I lost my baby weight really quickly for both children. I maintained my health. The 
I've stayed slender <laughs> way past then, and I no longer run. I walk now because the pounding, eventually I realized I need to be careful of my hips and all of that. But still, it's the consistency of the lifestyle, whatever it is, the consistency of the practicing the piano or practicing gymnastics or practicing this technique. But just like running, you don't need a lot of time. It's about doing it how much you feel or how much you can get to that day. And hopefully you can do it a few times a week, but you don't need to. And there'll be periods in your life that's so crazy, so much chaos going on, so many responsibilities on your shoulders that you just won't get to it at all for a week or two. But again, if it's a lifestyle, it's easy to flow right back into it. Okay, now I've gone on. We still don't have any callers. Again, let me give you the phone number, guys. 646-668-8565. Please feel free to call in. I really encourage you guys because I think it's very helpful not only for the people who call in or write in. If you want to email me um, an issue, I will do it on the next show. Again, it's Janet at JanetRichmond.com. The listeners benefit so much because they also will get the will also get the healing, and because these shows are archived, you guys can listen to them over and over again. If it's a healing on an issue that really is something in your life, you can listen to that healing over and over again and just get to deeper and deeper and deeper layers. You can also pause it and start putting in things because I won't say everything that comes up for any any of you. But you can pause it and start to release for neutralizing in your light. You can start to release all that stuff. You know, think of your own things. You don't have, I don't have to say every little thing. You guys are your own directing identities and you can do it. You can pause it. And then when you're done <clears throat> doing your, the things that I haven't thought to say, you put it back on and you continue the healing. And you can listen to that healing dozens of times. It, there's no limit. You can do it once or 20 times. It really doesn't matter. If you feel to do it, then you've still got some deeper and deeper layers. But each time you do it, each time you do it, it's going to be better. It's going to make changes. There's going to be shifts. You're going to see, just like when you go to the gym, you see changes after three weeks. Same with this work. Then three more weeks, you're going to see more changes. And it's the same with this work. So you're going to see it all along the way. Okay. Now, that's that. I've been on a soapbox here a little bit, guys. I hope you don't mind, but I'm really trying to encourage everybody. I now want to talk a little bit more about the soul scramble. Now, I've talked about the soul scramble, I think, in three shows. The first show, I went into some great detail about it. And the next two shows, I kind of summarized it. And I'm not going to repeat myself. I'm hoping that if you are listening to this show, that you'll go back <clears throat> and hear what I have to say about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> From the archive shows. Anyway, if not, it's okay. What I'm going to say today will give you an idea. Because what I wanted to do today is just to give you an example of a soul scramble. I think there have been indications of a soul scramble in some of the healings that I've done. But this one, um, I had a client in the last couple of months, and it was very interesting. And I thought to myself, of course, the client's name, their name has changed to protect the innocent. 
But I thought it was fascinating and, and a soul scramble that I could explain to you. Now, I think you're going to understand the soul scramble, too, much better. And if you don't understand the term and you don't have time to go back and listen before you listen to what I'm going to say now, that's okay. I think you'll, get, you'll grasp the idea of the soul scramble. The soul scramble basically is sort of a complex mixture of misunderstandings, misconceptions, false beliefs, self-identities, just everything mixed in that ends up manifesting in some way in our current life pattern. So let me go on and explain the actual scramble, and I think you'll understand. Now, all right, now this was a private session, so I had more time than I do on the radio to really uncover some of the depths of the scramble. But even still, I wasn't done when, the, when it was over. I knew there was more to it, but I still got a lot of meat, and the client did release a lot, and it was very effective. Um, and I'm not trying to advertise my private sessions. I mean, it's always available for you. You can find out about it on my website, or you can email me. But in any case, I'm, I mention it because even though I've done a private session on this soul scramble for this client, I want you to understand it's not completely done. What we did was good. I'm going to give you some results when I get to the end here. Uh, anyway, the, this soul scramble is related specifically to the issue that he came to me to, for me to work on. So do we have more than one issue in our lives? Yeah, we do. We have multiple issues. So this soul scramble came up because it's related to his, the issue that he wanted healing on. Now, his name was Paul. Not really, but that's the name I'm going to use. He came to me because he's very shy. And he has a pattern where he avoids conflict in in any and every way, and he also ha carries this inability to express himself. And he saw, he came to understand that it was affecting himself in his work, and it was also affecting his marriage. So the work, the effect on the work was he happens to be in a field where the work is project-oriented, and once he finished each project, he would just sit back and wait for somebody to call him. He, he was so shy, he didn't reach out to, in, you know, see if there, to other people, is there any work available? He didn't have a reach out process, a connection process in place. And he was aware of it for a long time and knew he should be doing out there doing networking and, and things like that, but he just never could get past this innate shyness, this innate problem where he just, it's very difficult to express himself and to say, you know, can you help me? So that's how it affected his work. He would get projects, but the time in between was way too long. Now, in his marriage, he saw that what happened was the, any issue that came up in the marriage never was really resolved because he couldn't deal with any kind of conflict. So he would, if there was an issue, he, he would either walk away or turn away in some manner, and the issue would just lay there undealt with, unresolved, no, the understand, no expansion and understanding, and it would, it would fester. 
So he knew that this was not a good thing. He realized, too, that as a result, the closeness that he had with his wife and the connection only was came so close because to be really close and really connected, the parties have to be open and expressive and share even the conflicts to bring understanding and uh, expansion and empathy and all of those things that you want with spouses. You need to have a level of vulnerability, so to speak. I, I know you guys understand all that. So he, <clears throat> he came to me and explained to me this, and then I began the healing. Now, the first thing that came up for me was a, soul, was a symbol of a young boy who stepped forward. Now, it was just a symbol. It wasn't him as a boy in this life, but it, for some reason, this was a symbol, and that boy carried the, the feelings, the issues, the belief systems um, that were affecting, that were manifesting as this pattern. Now, this boy carried this deep shyness. He carried a deep reluctance to open up. But there was also an element there of courage and the desire for help. So on the one hand, there was the desire to step forward. And on the other hand, there was the shyness that came from feeling that he can't, he couldn't ask. He couldn't express or volunteer anything. There was a belief system there that he absolutely couldn't. Now, he believed that he needed to stay in the background. Now, it was more than a feeling that he didn't deserve to step forward, that he didn't deserve to express. It was almost as if, this is what I was picking up from this symbol, um, that he was not on the same level with other people, especially those who have material good, those who are, well, you know, wealthy or in some sort of authoritative position or have um, just, you know, have enough money that they're living well and all of that. So it, he, he felt to me this, you know, because I'm picking up from the symbol, but it's the energies behind the symbol that I pick up. This is what he's carrying at the soul level. It was like he wasn't on the level with those other people. And the image was that he was like a servant boy. He was very low. Um, I got this sense of him being a servant or a, a and I, I can't even think of the word, but he was working in some sort of royal house or big mansion or big palace. And when he walked into those kind of, in the rooms, into, worked into the room where he was in the palace or in the royal house or the castle or the mansion or whatever it was, because it was a very general sense at this point, if anyone addressed him, he would be shocked that he was even noticed. Because just being noticed would mean he had value, but in his mind, he had none. Okay. Now... So this young boy, this young, the symbol of this young boy behind it, I could see the shock. He was shocked at himself that he, he absolutely had the chutzpah to step forward for this healing. So there was a part of him that had the courage, but he also was shocked that he even did it. 
So basically, he was in conflict with himself. There was the part that had the courage, and there was the part that he couldn't conceive that he had the right to do it, that he had any value to do it. So the action felt foreign to him and scary. So it represented, this symbol represented this compilation of many belief systems that this that Paul had taken during his sojourn. And this is not all of who Paul is, but it was a significant part of the issue that was worked on. Now, now, the another part of it had to do with his beliefs about his own opinions, because he had taken on the idea that if he's invisible, and because nobody notices him, then actually there must not be anything there to notice. Yeah, how about that one? Because nobody noticed. First of all, he worked at being invisible, and but then when people didn't notice him, then it validated the belief that there was nothing of value to notice. So the confusion came from the fact that in some of these lifetimes that he lived in this manner, that Paul lived like this, there was no foundation of ever or rarely expressing himself. He was making himself invisible. That was part of his job, to be of service, but not to be seen. So there's a part of him that lacks experience, that didn't even know the simple process of communicating in a way to, that he could feel safe. And this caused him to lock into the notion of, well, I really don't know anything. I don't know anything of value. And now there's such a conditioning that Paul holds within. He's had enough lives of this nature that it's now a knee-jerk reaction. Okay. So at this point, a lifetime came up where Paul, I saw a specific lifetime where Paul was a servant boy. It was this incredible, I got the sense of this incredible palace. It didn't feel, it felt more Middle Eastern than, than Western or Eastern, uh, um, like European. But, and I don't even think it was on this planet, to tell you the truth. It was eons ago, and the exact details really aren't important. But the general experience of this life set the stage for many similar lives because the pattern repeated and became more and more entrenched, not necessarily in every life, but in certain lives it did. Now, in this life, he had a family that did love him and validate him, but he was a servant boy in this palace situation much more, he spent much more time there than he did with his family because he started out very young as a servant boy. And it had the biggest impact. So the love that he got from his family, the validation he got from his family, really was not as powerful as the impact of being a servant boy. Now, he was kind of like an untouchable. I, that was the sense I got. It wasn't exactly an untouchable. It was but similar, where he, again, was supposed to be completely invisible and to be of service, but no one should see him, no one should notice him. And he came away from this life and many of these types of lives where his viewpoint about people with status and stature and authority and material wealth, such as in this palace and in other situations, both spiritual and political type environments, anybody who was quote unquote high above him in status, this became, 
it was overwhelming and so impressive that it disconnected him even further from his family life. The beauty, the wealth, the phenomenon he saw around him every day may, um, led him to take on the belief that these people were more important than the loved ones back home. How about that one? It was this part of him that compared what he was seeing at work with what he had back home. So you can imagine if he's sort of like an untouchable back home, that the, the dichotomy or the, the difference would be absolutely, it would be, have such a huge impact on someone who would start out as a young boy in a situation like that. And that's what it had on him. And it got to the point where he actually turned away from the family members and even shunned them because he became caught up in the phenomenon of the wealth, of the power, of the authority that he was working in. So he actually even turned away from his family. Now, Marie, his current wife, okay, remember this affected, affects his marriage. So Marie came up. Now, she was also a part of this same lifetime, which I thought was interesting. And it was a situation where it was, there was like a harem type thing going on or maybe concubines I don't know exactly but there was some situation where there was the leader or the king or the pharaoh or whatever it was with a whole bunch of women that were part of his royal house now as one of many Marie had a lot of time in her hands and she actually not only noticed Paul but she paid him attention. She cared about him. And what developed was a kind of forbidden love between them. It was special. He was special to her because being this servant that was giving and was that's what his job was, he was very devoted to her. And she wasn't really getting devotion or caring much from anyone else because the other women in the harem, of course, were competing for the attention of the king or whatever it was and so she never she didn't really have any friends with that part of the household so like upstairs downstairs she reached downstairs and she and Paul in that life made a connection now she would talk to him like a friend and it was clear that they came to care about each other but he still would felt he needed to be more invisible and he would even tell her you can't talk to me like an equal he would try to teach her how to treat him like a servant and I saw this genuine interaction genuine caring for one another he didn't want her to get in trouble and what developed was a very strong bond and in fact there was a healing um it was a healing between the as a result because both of them did feel the love now there had been the you know, higher self indicated that there had been many lives where there were this type of connection but in each life just like with this the relationship that they had never got to the depth of connection that could have been there they never got to say to one another or do things with one another 
like you might do if there was a connection of what could have been seen in those societies of equals. So there was always a strong desire that love and connection they felt with one another was there in many lifetimes, but each lifetime had these rules and regulations about how they could or could not interact. And so, and they, the shoulds were different in every society. Of course, no society is the same. But it, what happened was a lot of confusion came up for both of them in this life. And because they didn't know where to turn, there was this unrequited love, so to speak. They didn't know how to, to be with one another. And so confusion was born. And in, in following lives, this became more entrenched. And the process of true intimacy and really getting, getting to know each other at deeper levels literally didn't happen. And so individually, they had their own patterns. Together, they also had a pattern and that, that repeated over the eons of time. Not every life, certainly, but certainly enough that it, it really became entrenched. And it was because of the rules and regulations of these past lives, because of their own personal journeys in, in addition, the, it's manifesting in the marriage in this life with a lack of true connection, a lack of true intimacy. They both have this avoidance, both have this difficulty reaching uh, intimacy, and um, they both have a desire because that real true love connection is there. They both have the desire to work past this and reach those levels of more intimacy. And they came to me, and I was really glad to help them, and... um, there's this because they have that de- determination. Now, the this confusion, this fog, it has made it difficult for them to really connect with one another. And there's also, in addition, a fear that they're going to lose one another because in these lifetimes they did lose one another. When you're not working in these situations as equals, then you know other people are making rules for both of them, and those rules, you know. In this, I didn't get it in this life, but I'm just making up an answer. You know, maybe the servant boy was assigned to some other life or he then went to the stables and he rarely ever got to see her. I'm just whatever. So they did end up losing each other a lot. So that fear of losing the other one was also a part of this picture. Now, it's not enough to get an understanding of what Paul was carrying from this particular life or how the scramble and all the elements of the scramble came into play and how it became more entrenched, how it confused them, all the belief systems and yikes. It's not just about understanding what Paul, where the origins of the pattern that was playing out in this life that, you know, was not what he wanted. There can be aha moments and that, is amazing and it really helped but the aha moment for him was that he realized that it what he thought of was a a character flaw and something he'd have to live with forever in fact didn't need to be there (coughs) excuse me guys (coughs) sorry so the neutralizing so then i went to the neutralizing because it's not just about the aha moment we don't want those belief systems, that fog, that confusion. 
the patterns, the conditioning, the knee-jerk reactions, the avoidance, all of that, we don't want it to still be there. So, of course, then I moved into the neutralizing. Actually, it happened simultaneously as I'm picking this stuff up. And he really moved through a lot of those underlying belief systems. And although he couldn't relate to some of what I said, there was enough other stuff that he could relate to, and that happens for all of us because we don't remember what happened in those past lives. So do you think he could remember being an untouchable somewhere? Or do you think he could? He thought of himself as a little boy? He was new to the symbolic, um, the way I use symbols, um, and didn't really fully grasp that it's what's behind the symbol that's what we're looking at, but the symbol is just giving me the focus of attention. It just points my focus right to where I need to go. And so there was an element here or there that he couldn't relate to, but it didn't matter. I saw, first of all, some stuff he really could relate to, and I think he teared up once or twice during the healing, but I saw him doing this amazing amount of releasing. Now, the interesting thing is he has now joined for the first time, his first meetup, a networking kind of meetup in his particular industry. And he's also joined another group that's not a meetup, but it's related to the industry. And he's now actively working to generate more work for himself. He is expressing. He is reaching out. He isn't trying to be completely invisible anymore and be passive to see if someone's going to notice him and think of him to say, hey, a project's coming up. He's actually stepping forward and working to get work for himself now in between projects. And that's huge, guys. That's a huge step. He's also begun having deeper discussions with Marie, his current wife. Now, he had already begun discussions, but it was more from Marie's encouragement. Now he's much more taking part and feeling the need and understanding the importance of looking at some of these issues. And Marie, fortunately, knows a lot about the work. She's been doing the work for a long time. So she's, she understands that there's no judgment here. It's not about judging. It's not about fault. And it's not about blame. And it's not about flaws. So there, her approach is one where, hey, we have these hurts, wounds, misunderstandings, let's release those and neutralize them and bring our relationship into more and closer and closer connection. And it's already on that path. Is there more that needs to be done for Paul? Of course. I just talked for 20 minutes, whatever it was, in the beginning of the show about this isn't magic, the magic bullet. But it was enough that he saw a shift right away that he sh- there was actual changes in his uh, viewpoints and his ability to reach out. I mean, it was it's very exciting. There's more on this soul scramble. I had the sense that there's more, but, you know, you can't do everything in one shot. But it still was significant for him and for him and Marie. So it's very exciting. Now, the other thing is that... What was I going to say? Sorry, guys. 
something went bloop. There's a little bloop here, and it completely took off, took, took me off my focus. And you're probably like, oh, phew, she's quiet, but change. <laughs> anyway, just teasing. Um, the point is, there's also other scrambles related to any other issues that Paul has. You know, who of us only have one issue in our life, one pattern, one situation, one condition that we want to deal with? We, the norm is that we have multiple issues. So both this pattern, this problem, the shyness, the difficulty expressing, the avoidance of all conflict, this pattern probably has two or three other big uh, soul scramble elements that have played into it. And in another healing, if I did one for him, he, I, would, I might un, unfold that. I don't know. It would depend on what he would come to me for healing. But he's working with him by him, you know, with with Marie, and he's able to work on his own. So I don't know that he'll ever need another healing. But my point is, guys, it is complex. It's it's that I don't know if I've used it on this radio show, but you know, and Walt Disney when Sleeping Beauty goes asleep, and the the evil fairy creates the bramble bush of all those dark weeds around the castle so nobody in the castle can really see out nobody outside the castle can see in that's what we're living with guys that's in our energy field and it sounds really yucky but each time we do neutralizing we're we're allowing more light through we're allowing more visibility we're clearing the fog we're opening up our confusion and that's what Paul did in this in this session. It was very exciting, and um, that's what I'm hoping to help you guys with if you call in. Uh, again, there. let me give you the phone number, 646-668-8565. Now, I, was, I do have something more to talk about, but I would prefer to move right on to a healing, and I don't have someone right now requesting a healing. I do see that I have a caller who's listening, and I don't... Oh, the callers put the question mark up. <laughs> okay, it's Robin, isn't it? Yes, Robin? hi, Janet. Hi. Yes. Hi. Hi. Thanks for I calling just, in. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. I, You know, I wanted to give other callers a chance to take advantage of this incredible opportunity, but... Since they aren't, and um, you know, you put it out there that you'd like to do a healing, I'm always game. <laughs> Almost nice. Always. Nice. Oh, I'm really, really glad. I looking over, I was just looking over my schedule, and I realized I missed your meetup last night. No, no, it's not. It, you know what? It's next Tuesday. Oh, it's next Tuesday. Okay, great. Okay, good. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay, you're right. The third. Wait, does I have a today the third, is the seventh. Now is it the seventh? Yes, yeah, the seventh today. It's next oh, Tuesday it's the thirteenth. It's oh, always okay. the second Tuesday, and it's confusing when the second Tuesday is almost two weeks into the month. So it, it feels like it should have already happened, but it it actually hasn't yet. Right. Okay. Oh, I just got a, I got a week ahead of myself for a moment. Okay, good. Good. All right. That's that's good. Just that was a little aside. 
well, you know, you're practically, I, I just, I, you're almost like a co-host, Robin. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> it really is. She's called in a lot, and um, I like it because the listeners can see someone who understands and is committed to the work, number one, and two, you know, you do give feedback, and they're able to see that things really are happening, things are moving, and things are changing and shifting. Um, and that's important, too. Absolutely. You're kind of like a, you're kind of like a co-host lady. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for being there. And, you know, again, it's one of the pleasures of, of being retired that uh, I can put this show on my schedule and, and when I'm, you know, when I don't have anything going on, I can, which is usually during, <laughs> on Wednesdays, because <laughs> I, uh, I do community service on Tuesdays and Thursday time. Wednesdays is a, a catch-up day, a home day. And so nice. it, works out, it works out really well for me. Yeah. And, nice. um yeah, and I, I really got a lot out of our session, I think it was last week, where we worked on um, my shoulder, my shoulder, oh, uh, and the, right. the pain the pain in my shoulder, and um, it's, it's just, uh, um, you know, I have been working on that, and it's it's come a long it's come a long way. I I mean I'm having to do. You had mentioned that ice might be helpful. Actually, I haven't tried the ice yet, although I put it in the in the refrigerator to ice my shoulder. But um, that's so but, funny. We all do that, don't we? Well, I've got to do such and such, and so we prepare, and then we forget to do it. <laughs> right, right, and um, but. You know, I've I've been continuing to to release as much as I can and and uh, of whatever and and it, there is just a general clearing out and I've been able to I think do more activities in my life that are supportive of healing my shoulder. I'm I'm doing a stretching routine and I I got some specific. Uh, very gentle stretching exercises for the shoulder from my sister, who's a fabulous body worker up in the Bay Area. And then it also occurred to me, um, just in talking with people, that my diet, I was eating too many sweets and too many carbs, so I've cleaned up my diet. I'm making sure I'm doing more exercise, and I'm using the higher self um, process, you know, as much as possible to clear out these intense feelings as, as they come up, um, or any feelings, but, you know, the more the intense the feeling, the more the body is and mind is saying, okay, this is something you have to look at. This is something you have to work on. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, yeah, this is, this is great, and this is exactly how the work works. It opens up doors to find areas that are going to help. And um, did, have you thought of, by the way, um, a massage therapist that can work on the muscles around there. Have I, did I mention that last time? You know, I I I it I have sort of thought of that in passing in my mind, but I haven't really um, followed through on that. And I'm glad you mentioned it because I I uh, 
I saw a massage place nearby my house that got very good ratings on Yelp, and it's quite inexpensive. And I should, um, on these days off of mine, I should I should give that a try too because. Uh, um, well, um, let me share yeah. something with you that I experienced with my shoulders, and I don't think I did explain it last time, but one morning years ago, I woke up and I couldn't raise my arms sideways passed about six inches from my hips without excruciating pain. And I have had absolutely no symptoms before. It was very frightening. I raced right off to an orthopedist. I ra- he couldn't help me. He did MRIs. He did all sorts of things. There was no nothing. And wow. he went to a chiropractor. After two or three times, he said, I really can't help you. And almost within a few days of getting that bad news from the chiropractor, I went to, uh, I, I was doing a, I had a group at that time. We, if someone came over, a mutual friend that had lung cancer, and we did a big healing on her. And I was not going to mention my shoulders because here she had lung cancer. I was definitely not going to mention it. Well, the interesting thing was somebody else mentioned it to her. And she just looked right at me and she just said, you know what you need? You need a deep tissue massage person. I have just the one to recommend you. And here's his name and phone number. Well, I thought, okay, I never in a million years, never had a massage, never in a million years would have ever thought that a massage would help. And I went to him once or twice a week for the next couple of months, and he healed it about 75, 80%. then his schedule changed, and I was unable to meet the schedule. And within a week of stopping him, I was out walking with a friend, and somebody came across the street to talk to her, and it was a trainer at a gym. She would worked out with him a couple of times so that he knew her. And he turned to me, and he said, I'll give you a free training session. And again, I'd never used a trainer, never in a million years would have thought to do training. But within a few weeks while well, I'd had the session, I noticed a difference even in the last 20% in my shoulders, and within t- t- maybe four, five, six, seven weeks, my shoulders were 100% better because first I had to go through the massage to deal with the pain. I could never have done the working out and strengthening the shoulders with that kind of pain. But let me tell you, the massage was painful. This was not uh-huh. go to sleep and have a relaxing experience. This was <laughs> deep tissue really deep tissue and it was a guy and he was so strong and I a lot of times tears would run down my eyes but I was running the energies while I'm going I'm doing the energetic work releasing I saw lifetimes coming off my shoulders I mean it was fascinating wow so what I'm trying to say now and I I don't know why I didn't mention it before but I didn't think of it is that also you could try the deep tissue massage and um See, that could be another element that could help you. And while you're doing it, I would call in divine <laughs> divine analgesics, you know, divine painkillers, divine <laughs> anything, and divine release and divine neutralizing. And, and I would just, whatever I thought of, divine shoulder, divine health, divine muscles. And it really, I moved through this incredibly difficult thing. And I had been writing my book and had been and working two jobs working 50 hours, 60 hours a week, just so intense, always at the chair, hunched over, and it had been, what it was was, for me, it was the muscles locked in. 
they just got so tense. It was like I had gotten tetanus or lockjaw, you know, where your muscles get so tense, and that's what had happened. But I never again, by doing the work, by, of course, I was neutralizing from the start, but that at first it brought in the whole massage thing. Then it brought in the training thing. And I, once or twice while I was writing my second book, I'd begin to have elements of it, but I went right back to the massage, started working again. There's more to work on, and it went away. I've never, ever had even close to that other thing, that other experience. Wow. So I'm... Yeah, that's... So those again... Are all, those are all... Those are all great suggestions. Yeah, I can see where the massage would help to start undo the spasm in the muscles and the strength training to, to yeah. you know, make the muscles muscles stronger and um, and then doing the work on top of it to release whatever emotional elements or you know mental emotional habitual elements were were playing into that whole pattern. Yeah, uh, as well. Exactly, exactly, and it makes the the practical things that you're doing, the massage or the eating right and or um, the strength, strength strengthening or whatever, the stretching, it makes it more efficient because we we can take it in more. There's not that block that we that we're carrying that the energetic right. block. So at, so you, so the releasing of the energetic blocks is hugely helpful. And it's not again either or. You, it works in conjunction with these other things. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so, great. So what do you, do you yeah, want to work yeah. more on the shoulder, or do you? Well, um, no, I'm, I'm doing good on the shoulder. Um, you know, what I was kind of thinking about, although um, it doesn't, you know, it it probably is a very complex life. Like you said with the example of the fellow you were just talking about, and you went through the soul scramble with his lifetimes and his, his how his wife was involved and, um I have a feeling that was very interesting. Thank you. I have a feeling there's a very long, complex, convoluted pattern with my son. And uh, so, you know, it's probably a pattern that needs a fair amount of work, but um, we're we're just, I'm just so, uh, I have such a difficult relationship with my son, he's 27, and um, he's he he graduated from college. He's uh, he's just he's he's very angry, and seems to have some mental emotional problems. And we've had to move him out of the house, and uh, he's just always angry and kind of victim mentality and demanding and and just always angry at me and it's just it's it's very hard for me. I mean I've had to learn to not let it eat me up because there were several years in the past where I really just was so distraught over this whole situation and I I was drinking too much and I was, you know, just doing a lot of things and I had to little by little just learn to be able to separate from him and we eventually moved him out. We're still supporting him, but we moved him out of the house and I had to separate from him, you know, emotionally and and psychically and mentally to a certain extent because um, I I just, uh, 
it was so painful for me. And so now I, you know, I've turned over a lot of that relationship to uh, to the universe, and I'm doing the best I can. Um, and I, you know, but 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 there are times when I mean he's so suspicious of things where just an everyday occurrence, and he'll end up calling me a liar, calling me names, and it it still. You know, as much as I've been able to sort of detach from it and say, you know, this is more about him than it is about me, it's, you know, still very hurtful. And um, I'm just wondering if um, maybe a little healing or something would help to give me some tools to just be able to release. I mean, mostly I feel these days what I have to learn is just how to trust the universe that, he has the same the same higher self, the same ability to grow and heal and evolve and trust in that power of the universe that we all have within us, the the pure soul essence, so to speak, and that um, that I just have to I just have to, you know, trust that 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 process is working in his life as it is working in my life and try to make peace with it the best I can. Yes. Um, he, we can't force anybody, as you know, to, to change. We can't force them to do the work. We can't force them to become aware or wake up. Are you there? Yeah, Did, I am. Okay. Um, that's absolutely that's absolutely true and and at this stage in in life where I'm waking up so much you know I just I guess I just have to I mean and and he is not <laughs> um, seemingly from my point of view or he's waking up in his own way to the things that are appropriate for him to wake up to at this time in his life right um, but it is it is uh I don't know. I just, you know, I'm wondering if there's something I could know, something more I could know about this relationship that would help me to put it into better perspective. Well, for sure. Um, Every soul kind of, every one of us, our soul gets our attention at different times in our lives. I mean, I have young, a young girl who comes to the meetup. You may have met her. She's 15 or 16 when she first started to come. And, you know, so she's waking up really early. Some some of us wake up in our 60s, 70s, whatever. Some of us wake up in whatever age. So every soul wakes up and starts to realize, hey, I have a say here. I can be, I can help myself. So your son hasn't woken up yet, but it doesn't mean that he won't. And what my focus of attention would be is, of course, on you. And I would probably begin with the hurt and the pain that you feel because <clears throat> those that hurt and that pain, it, it's like a beacon. It calls in continual, it's like a hook, and it calls in continual uh, situations and conditions to re-prick it, so to speak, to, to reactivate it. And that's how these energy identities work. It's like a beacon saying, hey, come on. <laughs> What you've done is right. amazing because you have you have distanced yourself um, 
enough that you've really helped yourself, and that's huge. There's nothing, that's something you really need to pat yourself on the back. However, unfortunately, until we neutralize some of this energetic stuff, it's not completely gone away. We've taken the practical steps. You've moved them out of the house, and you've found an intellectual way to look at the situation that has helped. It's helped you disconnect. But there's part of you, it seems like, that isn't really happy with that. It's still painful. It still brings up hurt when he says nasty things. Um, so I would that's where I would start. I would start with your emotional thing. Let's see what comes up. Uh, okay. Also, yeah, that's so true. And, um, it, I mean, it's true that I have come a long way. I was a very codependent mother without really knowing it uh, for a long time. And um, I was just so hooked in to, to him and to, to his pain, and I was always jumping in there to rescue him during, when he was growing up. And, um, you know, I see now that that was, I, I didn't know how to set really healthy, appropriate boundaries. And, and a lot of that was just my own pain and fear of him failing or him being uncomfortable. I mean, I was trying the best I could to, to make, to, to raise him so that he would be happy and healthy. And a lot of what I did turned out to kind of backfire. Um, but now, I want, to, I want to reassure you right now, okay? I don't even have to start the healing to know, because it's already coming up for me, that you and he had a co-creation. And what we do as souls when we pick our next life, if, if we're picking a life that we want to really work on some of our patterns, we set up a condition or a situation with, often with other people, it's always co-created, where the two patterns, your pattern and his pattern, work together to bring out like the worst of each other. Because <laughs> it's that worst part of each other that is the motivating factor to get help, which is exactly where it's led you. It isn't about finding fault. Well, of course, you have the pure heart Robin, it's so pure, so loving. You did the best you could. It turns out in hindsight, hello, welcome to parenthood. We, you made mis- quote unquote mistakes. But in fact, where it led you was exactly where you needed to go because it motivated you in part. It was one of the things that motivated you to seek and search. I had a situation with my mom that did exactly that she made mistakes and quote she did and she was exactly who she was and hers was not very well intentioned at the time but it led me to this work it led me to become a seeker and searcher i eventually healed my own hurts and pains around my mother and then what did what happened and this is in my second book and i can't wait for people to read the detail because it's really interesting it led me to help her to heal and by the time she died the love between us was so pure, so real, so unconditional that she has come to me since she's died <laughs> many times and thanked me. And, I, and I, I say something like, well, what do you mean? It was co-created. That's what we were meant to do together. And she said, yeah, but you have the harder part. 
I was just being myself, she said. <laughs> but anyway, that's what, I, that's what I'm trying to, to say to you, that you and your son came in, co-created, and it did its job. You've discovered that you had a codependency kind of thing, that you were a rescuer, that, you know, it led you to all this painful stuff, which forced you, it motivated you, pushed you. This is how the soul talks to us. Unfortunately, we can't pick up the phone and say, hello, what do I need to work on now? (laughs) The soul gets our attention by bringing in to our outer reality the actual, it mirrors what we carry inside. It creates, it pulls in situations and conditions, and it decides on those situations and conditions in general co-creates with individuals, you with your son, to set up patterns that's going to motivate you to shift and change. Now, I don't know what's going to happen between you and your son, but as you heal your own hurt and pain and sorrow and suffering, which affects not only your situation with your son, but much more in your life, that is actually going to help bring your son around, just like it did with my mom. And how that will play out, I don't know. But he's going to see the role modeling. He's going to see the shift and change in you. And you're also going to detach from that that codependency, those hooks. He right. does, calls you name. Then he gets the satisfaction of seeing you hurt because he's feeling so much hurt and wounds and pains from his own long sojourn, not from you, but he co-created mm-hmm. it because he already had wounds and hurts and pains and suffering and sorrow he wanted to heal. So you see what I mean? So right now his coping style his coping style is literally to get back at you by hurting you all over again. But once you get rid of that hook, that trigger and it doesn't work anymore, there is going to be a shift in your relationship. How it will play out, I don't know, and how soon it will play out, I don't know how long it would take. But there could be a shift right away. So let's get started because I'm running out of time. It's already, yeah. Uh, it's, we only have about well, a half an hour, so I, I don't want right. to race through this too fast. Okay. Okay. Very oh. good. Okay. So I'm going to put you on mute while I do it, and okay. uh, then I'll I'll click you back in when I'm done. Okay. Okay. Now. As always, and we're going to move through the beginning a little bit quicker than I normally do because I want to make sure I have plenty of time on this healing. But I want you to focus, Robin, on that incredible pure soul essence that you carry. I'm doing the same simultaneously. It's happening both of us at once. You can think of it as that sun, that symbolic sun, that powerful, powerful, powerful pure soul essence, that part of us that comes not only comes from the originating source, but is continuously forever connected with the originating source of all there is. And I'm actually seeing the light I want you to focus on because we use the focus of attention. We use the conscious focus to activate and allow and invite in, give permission to the divine to work in our free will kingdom here, the free will arena that we live in. So this focus is helping. I see the lights. Both of our lights are expanding throughout the totality of our physical body, the totality of our etheric bodies, 
and the lights are continuing to expand. They already are connecting. You and I were being joined in one accord for this healing. The light is is expanding 360 degrees. So it's actually not only moving as a beacon up into, symbolically up into the atmosphere and beyond, it's also moving down into the planet. And just by focusing on this beautiful conglomerate light that we are, this light where, where we are joining in one accord in order to provide the healing for you today, to simply direct the healing and bring that this moment of time for you to do the healing this light is also being provided to the many millions and millions and billions of souls at every level known and unknown can come in and partake of this light these are souls for the most part whether in body or out of body that are unaware they carry their own light and so they come and they take whatever their they're wanting or needing or are ready for and moving that that because this light is everything and anything that any soul could want because it's the totality of the originating source light it's everything that the originating source was is is becoming so no matter what the soul is no matter how small no matter how unevolved no matter how hidden or um unaware this light is presenting itself and it's the souls that come in and partake bringing the, the that part of whatever it's ready for or wants into its soul banks and utilizes that higher frequency light to bring its own frequency higher and the way it works is the the soul is always reaching for that higher frequency reaching and trying to expand its own energy and so simply by taking this light into the soul banks it creates a a pulsing or a reaching that the other that the soul that is taken in does and this is actually how soul evolution works it's the soul reaching to bring in higher levels of understanding, higher levels of healing, higher levels of knowledge, higher levels of movement, of development, of unfoldment, and that's how it works. So every soul that takes in this light is getting very real help. It might take weeks, months, years, or lifetimes for any soul to fully assimilate and fully reach that higher frequency level. But no matter, there is no timetable, there is no end goal there's nobody looking at a stopwatch saying oh you have to do it you're you're late we all do the process every soul evolves and it's an eternal process it's never over we all evolve at our own rate of speed this is important for you to understand for it's simply the same with your son he will unfold he will move into that level of awareness at his own timetable and all we can do is address your timetable and your unfoldment and deal with what you are carrying. Now I'm asking that we become conscious and aware of the totality of the conglomerate higher selves that both you and I carry. I'm calling in any other higher selves from any other direction. I'm actually seeing your son moving in. He's not going to be an active part in the healing. He's more like observing it from the soul level. 
his higher selves are also part of this conglomerate energy as well are there are other uh, higher selves that have also joined this energy stream you've got a lot of help here and it's um it's promises to be you know powerful healing I'm also going to ask that we focus on the amalgamation as well with the originating source simply because it guarantees that we're going to be working from the very highest level. We are not going to be utilizing energies and information at levels that we've already passed in frequency. We will be bringing in the the highest levels that we can handle at this moment in time only to continue to expand and bring in higher levels with each healing. I'm now immediately getting the the need for you to begin to release, become conscious and aware, open up, start the releases. I'm immediately getting the pain and the suffering, and I want you to start to release the pain and the suffering. And I'm, I'm seeing it already starting to come out from the heart area. It tends to be the first place where I begin. And if you have trouble letting it go, um, I'm feeling almost like a choking, almost like a, uh, um, almost like a, uh, I don't know how to explain it, almost like you feel it there, a pressure, but not all of it is coming out. And I, I feel it's affecting the throat in some way. And I want you to see, imagine I'm going to set up First of all, I'm going to call in divine flush. That's that symbolic energy that comes in and helps to flush it out. And I'm also going to call in um, the symbol of the divine vacuum. I think I've used this with you a few times. I love this symbol. It's, you're, it's made out of your own light. And it's going to, the million trillion BTUs, it's going to suck out these blocks. And so you're calling in the divine flush. And the flush is actually acting almost like a, like a liquid plumber. I would say I feel this sort of sort of fizzing effect, like this dissolving effect from behind, because it's almost the blocks there coming from the heart and the throat and the chest area. It, it almost needs the liquid plumber kind of thing. Just flushing the water isn't enough. It's kind of dissolving. It's kind of the plugs, I would say, the plugs. So I want to just begin with the dissolving because. These hurts and these wounds are something that you've carried for many eons of time. It's become a way of life. You become conditioned. It's part of your, almost part of your self-identity because you've had many, many situations, many conditions, many times in many lives, as have all of us. This is not unique to you, but you have your own unique way of experiencing your own unique way of uh, the unique mix of all that goes into this. But right now, I'm just first need to focus on this dissolving effect. And it is really beginning to dissolve. I feel it clearing a lot through the throat. It's still a little bit in the heart and the chest area still needs a little more. Um, I'm just sort of doing some little stuff myself also to try to help clear it even more um i'm calling on the higher selves too to help facilitate this process and it's really is moving out it's really beginning to clear and i just feel the need to keep focusing on this before we move on 
because that pain and the suffering is pretty deep. And it's almost like, you know how a clown um, can do that scarf trick where they begin to pull a scarf and it keeps, goes forever and ever and ever. Well, that's kind of what I'm feeling now. This heart, this, you've released the, the clog, the, the plug, but, but there's a big well of hurt and pain, but it's coming out. The scarves aren't brightly colored scarves and quotes because it's just a symbol. It is coming out, but they're not, um, horrible looking you know sometimes I can see really horrible images but you you've probably done enough work that some of the really yucky stuff has is not presenting at the moment so what I'm seeing is just a flow coming out like the scarves or like um, a continuous uh, string of hot dogs you know how they're connected it's just this dark but not horrible uh stream of stuff coming out and it's moving into the light it's easily they're easily being neutralized your light of course is doing the trick right away i want to also work on what's coming up right away now is the self-blame you have taken on, as we all do, this tremendous amount of self-blame and self-judgment. And it plays out in many areas of the life, but this one is very powerful because as a parent, if we feel, you know, something goes on with our child, we don't have the viewpoint that maybe that child is decided to have that issue for their own reasons, their own unfoldment, their own it's what they need so we immediately go to the blame case well I've screwed up as a parent I've made mistakes I'm flawed even if I didn't know even if I tried my best we immediately go to the blame place because there isn't this realization this understanding that the issues the situation the, the condition of the relationship was prior set up by both of you agreed by both of you and both of you knew up front that it was going to be hard. Both of you were aware. Now, when we come into the life pattern, we come in clueless. We don't know. We don't understand. The good news is, at least here on this planet, a lot of this kind of material, this information, this viewpoint, this understanding is available. And this is what you and this is why so many people have come in on the planet with and chosen to activate and manifest great difficulties because true real help is here not just practical help you know in the olden days or even 50 years ago or 25 years ago if we had anger management problems for example what was available were ways to handle the anger to cope with the anger but now, 25, 30 years have gone by, and now we have real techniques to actually get rid of the anger, not just pack it away or move it aside or repress it or find other ways to take it out on a punching bag or something. We have techniques to actually get rid of the anger. So a lot of these issues, a lot of these difficulties are coming up right now in the life pattern for so many people because we're taking advantage many have chosen to come into this this 
life pattern because of the more expansion, the, the greater expansion of understanding on how it works at the soul level. So I'm, I'm just absolutely um, saying that we want to release this self-blame that's been from so many lifetimes. Blame and criticism, and I think I've said it often on many of my shows, it all always bears repeating, always makes us powerless. Because if we're blaming somebody else or something else, we immediately make it so that place the, the causes, place the answers, place the solution on that other person. Well, if they could just change. If the economy could just get better, I can get a job. If that person could just become more aware or just come to me instead of treating me with passive aggressiveness and just talk to me, or if that person could whatever, the we're waiting then for that person or that situation, that condition to change. And that's why we're powerless, because we can't make them change. Everybody's going to unfold and become aware and make their own shifts and and changes in their own timing. So the blame creates victims right away. So you're really carrying this very deep victim pattern, which is normal. Everybody has it because nobody's avoided the blame. That has come out in virtually every life, including this life. But we, we what we want to do is release the need to blame. And it's not just others. I Because the minute we blame others, Okay, we're the victim, and the others are immediately the victimizers. It's a, pol- a, pol- a polar situation. There's polarity going on here where it's the opposite. I'm the victim. The other person is the victimizer. And you're, you become locked in that conflict where, in that belief system. And so I want you to release all of that blame and all of the victim pattern. Now, when we blame ourselves, Guess what, guys? We're also the victimizer. We're both. We're both those polarities. It is a completely no-win situation. And we want to release the victimizer pattern, too, because that is as destructive as the victim pattern for us. We want to release both, always, because where we want to move is into the center of balance and neutrality. We don't want to be caught between the two polars where there's this pendulum. We're a victim, then we're a victimizer. We're a victim, we're a victimizer. We, whether it's in different times in one life or at different lifetimes, because often if we're a victimizer in one life, we believe to atone, we have to move into the victim pattern. And we move to the opposite to atone, to suffer just as much as maybe we've made other people suffer. And so it is a absolute vicious cycle that we all have been on in some way, manifested in some way. And I want, and I'm feeling a lot, it's like this tremendous relief that I'm feeling from you because you are releasing, um, Robin, you are releasing this, this, this need to blame, this need to be blamed, this victim and victimizer pattern, this pendulum swing back and forth, and the need to atone. There is a, a, a need to atone, which is very common. We often carry it um, because we do blame ourselves and we feel like the only way we can 
overcome and ever forgive ourselves is to atone. And so there is a part of you that feels the need to to atone. And there's also a part of you that, that doesn't understand that it isn't about atoning. It's literally about, excuse me, the under, to forgive the self. So I want you to release the lack of self-forgiveness. I want you to release the, the, what I'm seeing is like blinders on a horse. You know, some horses wear those blinders. I, I don't know if they're racers or workhorses or whatever, and they, they actually wear blinders over their eyes. And this belief that you need to atone, that you are a bad person, that you will never be able to forgive yourself until you can suffer just as much as you think you forced suffering on other people. I want you to literally see light streaming through your eyes. I'm there adding to that light. I want you to just Focus it on those blinders and watch them disappear. I want you to watch them be neutralized and absorbed into the light. I want you to just use it almost like laser energy. However you visualize it, it doesn't matter. We need to get those blinders off because this is a very powerful pattern that you and many of us carry the same type of thing. Very powerful pattern where the blame has taken over. It has squeezed out any ability to see and understand that that we aren't bad, that, that, that it was misunderstandings, it was misconceptions, it was false beliefs, that actually the interaction between you and your son was all co-created, it was all done, it was meant to happen, and actually was successful. Now, it may not seem successful yet for your son. It doesn't matter. It was successful for you and it will be successful for your son on his own timing. It could have been him first. It's different in every situation, every condition. Sometimes it's simultaneous. It was, it was more or less simultaneous with Paul and Marie that I spoke about earlier. Marie woke up and became aware a little, you know, two or three years earlier. And now her husband is waking up and becoming aware. It can be years, it can be literally simultaneous, it can be months, weeks, lifetimes different, but it's going to happen. And your focus, where you need to go, is to be your own directing identity and release those blinders. And I do see a tremendous amount of release. It's as if they're opening up, but somehow that halter, the thing that holds the blinders in place, and remember it's simply a symbol that I'm seeing, but it's an indicator to me that there's still something you're holding on to. And um, it's kind of, it seems like sort of a vise around the back of the head. It's as if the blinders are open up, but there's still some tunnel vision there. And what we want is we want that vise to completely come off um, I want you to put your hands up symbolically and literally hold on to the vise. So, and I want you to pulse your light through your hands, through your palms. I want you to pulse your light from the inside of your head area outward. And I want you to begin to release. There's a belief system here. There's a disbelief here that you can ever let go of this. You've held this viewpoint for so long. It's as if you... You, there's a lot of self-doubt and distrust, disbelief that this ever can change. 
it's it's absolutely a it, it's it's a solidified truth. It's actually harnessed you. There's a harnessing here with this visor thing, this vise thing around you that there's this disbelief and I want you to just begin to let go of this disbelief. It is um it has very real basis because you've had so many t- lifetimes with it. And in between lives, you've been determined to fix this pattern, to let it go, to shift it, to change it. And you've been unable to. And instead, it's become more complex, more entrenched, and more painful. Pain is now coming up, too. I'm feeling more pain coming out of that heart area, more grief, more sorrow, more feelings like you're a loser, you're a failure, you, you, there's nothing you can do. It's almost like you're a soul lost. You're just absolutely lost. There's nothing you can do. You haven't been able to make inroads onto this before. And so there's a real basis for this belief system. And I want you to just continue. I'm activating again the vacuum. I'm activating more light to pour into you. And I want you to continue to release and send the light in to, to really burn away, dissolve as much as you can, release and neutralize this the belief that you're a loser, a failure. You're unable to get rid of this pattern you've tried so hard. Oh, my God, there's just so much pain and agony. It has dogged you, and I want you to let that go. It's just, again, there's more clogging coming up in the heart chakra, and I want to just really focus on it. Um, I want to see if I can come up with another symbol because it hurts. It is painful. It is agony. It's just such despair. Just keep sending the light in. I want to see if I can come up with something else. Another symbol. I'm asking the higher self to please come in and to help open up this pattern. And... I'm calling in divine forgiveness. I want you to call in divine forgiveness and divine gratitude and divine love because what is needed here is the help from these divine energies to forgive this part of you, to accept it, divine acceptance, to feel the gratitude because this is part of you. This is what you've lived with and endured for all these eons of time. And you want you at the soul level to understand that despite the pain, despite the difficulty, that you still love it. You still accept that part of it. You still are gratified for all the experiences that you've had that developed it because there's also been a lot of learning. There's also been a lot of um a lot of uh, growth that has been part of the pain, part of the suffering. You've also saved your life, your own life. You've also avoided um, situations and conditions that would have been even worse. And I'm not getting the, the depth of that because I know there's more to get, but there's a time factor here. And so, but I want you to keep sending in this divine gratitude and this divine love and this divine forgiveness and this divine understanding that you aren't, there's no, um, it's not that you 
hate this part of you and you want to get rid of it. You love it and you want to work with it and become one with it. You don't want to be on the, you know, uh, disconnected from it. You want it to become part of who you truly are by neutralizing it and using all that it is, all that it has been, all those energies, all that self-identity. You want it to be neutralized and become part of that powerful light that you are so that you're working together. You're working as one. You are absolutely 100% um, joined in one accord. And I do feel with those energies flowing, that it is allowing, at the soul level, you are allowing it to move into the light to be neutralized. I don't know that we're going to get it completely here, but what I feel is that that vibe is actually becoming um, less tight. It is still in place, but it's less dark, less tight, and more, it's moved forward in some fashion and same with what's coming in from the heart this this absolute belief or disbelief that you don't deserve it because you're such a failure that too is very much uh been moved there's definite movement there there's definite lessening there i definitely feel more clearing could there be more yes i do believe there's still more under there but you've done a giant step in such a short time, I'm really thrilled and happy for you. Um, again, it was so short, we didn't get into the situation with your son exactly, but it was the son that brought this issue to your attention and to my attention. And so it is definitely what we've brought out today is definitely going to help in some way. It's definitely cleared not only the situation with the son, but it's going to help in some other levels. So I'm down to just a few minutes here. Um, so I'm going to put you back. Oh, before I finish, I'm just going to call in again divine love, divine healing, and divine connection to the self and to that pure soul essence. And again, divine forgiveness. It is really powerful. The forgiveness is really what you need for yourself at this point in time to help you continue to move to deeper layers. And I'm going to call in divine hope, too, and divine unfoldment and divine movement and divine healing on every level. Now, I'm going to put the mic back on so you can... Hello, you're back on. (laughs) Hi, Janet. I don't mean to be so rushy, but I wanted to give you a few minutes if you want to say anything or ask any questions. Um, well, I felt that was very powerful for sure. And I definitely could, you know, get a sense of that harness, uh, symbolism and, and the blinders and just the depth of that, that, you know, self judgment and self blame. And I, I do feel that we cleared a lot, you know, in 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 the body and the etheric bodies, and also in my understanding of you know the whole the whole process, um, the victim and the victimizer pattern, and uh, also at the very end, you know, I got a real strong hit on how 
it will be good for me to continue to bring in divine divine forgiveness of of myself. Yeah. And because I can I can see how many in how many circumstances um that that pattern, you know, of unworthiness and undeserving and self-judgment, self-blame and criticism and all those things come into play in, you know, not with just this issue, but in many issues, my default is just to go kind of right there. And, um, you know, I need to... I was just going to say, that default term is the perfect term, thank you, because that's where we all go. It's that default conditioning. And right. so I'm so glad that you felt it and you can keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm like, yay, that deep, that what a great term, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's, that's, uh, that's it. And I, I, you know, I have felt that it is a co-created pattern with my son, but, um, you know, it, it just, it does really help to hear it. It does really help to get the validation because this is a viewpoint and an understanding that, you know, not many, many, I guess there are a lot of people that hold it these days, but there's seem to be a lot more that don't. And so I, I like having the validation because this is what I'm feeling this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm trying to bring forth in my own life and energy fields. And um, it helps me to go through these processes to feel the validation of, of, of my own um, process and, and intuition about this. Yes, and I'm so happy that you take advantage of it because really um, that's what I'm on the air for. And I think your yeah. process and your unfoldment also, as I said, it really helps others listen, who are listening. And I just can't, I can't, um, I really can't thank you enough. Give me an opportunity to, to do the healing and then also to make it available to others. But it also, I feel so good that you're helping me in exchange because we're all in this together, you know, and you're helping other listeners in exchange <laughs> I love that part. Right, right. And I'm just I just cannot wait to read your second book. So um I'm looking I'm so looking forward to that uh coming out or getting my hands on it any way I can. <laughs> oh, okay. Well maybe I'll send you a PDF of it. If you really like it, I'll send it to you. There is some progress oh, with it. With the publication, good, yeah. yeah well, I'd love, I'd, I'd love that. I, I'd love a PDF copy too, but um, I'm, I, I am very much looking forward to it. Just like I, I loved your first book, I devoured it, and uh, I'm read, I read it a second time very slowly, about halfway through, and then I got kind of stuck. And just the other day, I was feeling a movement um, that I'm ready to kind of finish the second half and some of the other exercises that you offer in your first book beyond just the basic, um, uh, right. you know, beyond the, the basic thing that we do. So I'm Let's ready to stop. explore so those. I'm, I'm thrilled and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I have like 30 seconds left. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, I just, thank you. I, I'm so sorry. Please call in any time, as you know. And um, But I do want to... Again, say goodbye to all the listeners and thank them for tuning in. And 
I hope everyone will join me next week. And I encourage people again to email me at Janet at JanetRichmond.com if you have an issue, a problem, a situation, a question, a comment, anything. Please give me a call. I would absolutely love to hear from all of you uh, or any of you. And um, again, thank you so much, Robin, for uh, being the quote-unquote co-host. I love it, and you really help me and all the listeners. Thank you for listening to Janet Richmond and the Higher Self Voice. Visit Janet's website at JanetRichmond.com to view all of her upcoming events or to buy her book, Choices, Neutralizing Your Negative Thoughts and Emotional Blueprints.